Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm Anka Corbin, and I'd like to welcome you to today's Globig Podcast. Our topic is the differences between Gen X, Y, Z, and their impact on HR around the world. And our special guest today is Bill Armstrong, the president of Gava Talent Solutions. Um, Gava Talent Solutions is a global leader in professional staffing and consulting services, doing business in over 100 countries. Bill, it's always a pleasure to have you. Welcome again to our podcast, and thanks so much for sharing your insights. Yeah, thanks so much. Glad to be here. All right, so let's let's set the stage a little bit and just help our listeners understand, you know, what exactly we're talking about here and the different time spans for each of these generations and how many of these people are actually in the job market and what a what kind of an impact they're really having right now. Yeah, and I think when we're talking about these generations, I, I, I think that, you know, the definitions we talk about, you know, the baby boomers of it which led to Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z, I think those definitions are a little bit more uniquely uh, American uh, because, you know, the term baby boomer re- refers to, you know, the increase in, you know, population when everybody kind of came back from World War II and settled down and got married and started having families. And so obviously that situation wasn't the same um, in, in every uh, country in the world, certainly. Um, but I think as we start talking about some of the uh, differences in the generations, and particularly we talk about the current uh, generation, you know, the millennials and Gen Z, I, I think those things tend to cut across boundaries, and we find a lot of similarities there, um, whether or not we're dealing with people actually in, uh, you know, uh, Asia-Pacific countries, the United States, or in, in, in Europe. Mm, that makes sense. And the baby boomers are, are transitioning into retirement. Um, and then you have Generation X, which is broadly defined as people born between 1965 and 1979. Um, and while that's, they are now the largest population in the United States, about 82 million people uh, would be considered to be part of Generation X. And they would now be the second largest group uh, in the workplace, about 33 million um, Gen Xers are still out there working. Um, And Generation Y, or the Millennials, is now the largest generation in the workforce. Um, And so when we say Gen Y or Millennials, we're kind of talking about the same thing. Uh, And those are folks born between 1980 and 1994. Um, And there are currently 35 million people uh, that would fit into that category that are currently um, in the workforce. and then Generation Z, which is the newest generation um, that we talk about, um, these are people that are just beginning to enter the workforce, really. Um, we're talking about uh, people born between 1995 and, say, 2015. And so now you have about 5 million um, Gen Zers in the workforce. Um, and obviously, that's just going to continue to grow. But that's a little bit about um, the general definition um, and how that kind of breaks out in terms of uh, the amount of people working today. Mm, That's super helpful. You know, one of the things that happens is that we like to put 
these groups into buckets and there are all sorts of stereotypes that are floating around. Some are attractive stereotypes, some are not so, right? I think we've all heard the the things around certainly the millennial and Gen Ys maybe not wanting to work as hard or one you know, don't want a boss or they immediately want to be the boss, you know, things like that, which are in fact not necessarily true, but there's some certainly always some truth behind some of these stereotypes. So tell us a couple of them and, and for each of the generations and what we commonly think about when someone mentions it, you know, what are those things that kind of come to people's mind? I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, um, Anke, with um, uh, what you were saying there. And yeah, the the, the generation um, X stereotype is that you know value work life balance more than anything. Um, almost and and certainly uh, uh, a little um, uh, narcissistic. Um, in their approach to work, you know, the sort of all about them, uh, and have that that tag of being, you know, sort of slackers, like didn't want to work nearly as hard um, as the baby boomers. And then I think if you get in into Gen Y um, and Gen Z, um, you sort of have the, the thought maybe they're even more narcissistic than the, than the Gen <laughs> Xers, <laughs> and it's really all about them and what can you do for me. Um, and then I think there's also a stereotype that these millennials and Gen Z people, they, they value change and they want all of this change. Um, and, you know, everything's about innovation. Um, and, you know, I'm not so sure that, that that's, um, you know, that those stereotypes hold, uh, you know, hold much water uh, either. So I think there are certainly some differences in the generations, but I think it's a little too simple to just, tag an entire, you know, 30 plus million group of people, um, you know, with, with a couple, um, you know, of these terms and phrases and say it applies to everybody. Right. I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think one of the challenges is that each of these generations have probably pretty significantly different values. And so what one might think of as lazy, another person's values may be that they do want to be there for their children growing up and they're not willing to give up all of these things. So some of these values may in fact be, be good values and not necessarily, but they just happen to be different. And so each generation has to figure out how they understand each other. So, you know, kind of thinking about that, like what are some of those values and, and really expectations and needs between these different generations? Yeah, I think that, um, certainly I think with, um, you know, generation Y and, um, and I suspect it will be certainly the same with generation Z as we get more and more of those folks into the, into the workforce that you're, you're seeing a lot more, um, social awareness, um, and social people being socially conscious. And it's not only, um, you know, that they want to work for a company that, you know, they believe in what the company does, but they also want um, to see the company involved in things that they would consider to be, you know, worthwhile causes. Um, and they would like company time um, to do things such as, you know, do volunteer work, um, these types of things. Um, and again, these things don't apply to every single person, but I think that 
we see a lot more of that social awareness, a lot get a lot more questions about that, um, you know, from millennials and, and, and Gen Z folks um, than we do, um, you know, when we're working with somebody that would be more identified as um, Gen X. And then I think the the other thing that we're seeing now cut across um, all of the generations really is I think people are putting more um, you know value on their time and I think particularly again as you get into you know the I think the Gen Xers kind of started it with you know uh, being a little bit more concerned with that work-life balance than maybe their predecessors and then I think now the Millennials have picked that up that that you know it just matters that the work gets done it doesn't necessarily matter the hours work. It doesn't matter where I do the work, what time I do the work. Uh, the expectation is they're going to be online anyway. So if I do it at nine o'clock at night or nine o'clock in the morning, you know, what difference does it make as long as it gets done? And mm -hmm. so I, I think um, you're seeing a little bit more of that. And then I think also you're seeing um, that, that, that a little probably less patience in the workforce. Um, nowadays as well in terms of less patience for waiting on that promotion. I think the days of everybody say, yeah, I'm just kind of biding my time and, you know, Mary has been here longer than me, so she'll get promoted and I'll get promoted after her. I, I don't think people feel that way anymore. I, I think it's much more of a, um, uh, on, a on a performance-based thing. And if somebody is as outstanding performance. Um, they expect to get rewarded for it a lot more immediately. And uh, I don't think people value tenure mm -hmm. um, as a criteria um, so much for people that um, are going to get, you know, promoted or, or move ahead in certain ways with their career. Absolutely. I see that too. I mean, I think your your second point there of it just being outcome-based versus butt in seat Right. So it's like it doesn't have to if you can get the outcome in a few hours versus it being you know, 20 or 40 or whatever, that's what's being valued. And that's a really different way of thinking about jobs, I think. I mean, I know I certainly struggle with that sometimes. I still sometimes fall back to the, well, wait a second. You know, I it's not six o'clock yet. I can't be done but. But, oh my gosh, but I was so efficient. I was able to get all this done. So why not be done? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I know. I, I hear what you're saying on that one. It's pretty, it's a challenge, right? Because I'm not, I'm definitely on that Gen X side. So I have some of those, but I still have a lot of the boomer values. And so I have to really learn to be comfortable with the Gen Y and Gen Z's values and Frankly, there's a lot to be learned there, and I, I get, I am really enjoying the challenge of having to be thinking differently, right? And hopefully, more and more people feel that way too. So let's talk about that. So the HR professionals, I think you hit on a on a really good point there because there's there's so much out there about Gen X, Y, and Z, and how are they different? And oh my gosh, working with all these different you know, generations is so difficult. And, you know, so for one, I don't think that part of having mul multiple generations in the workforce at one time um, is all that unique. 
I, I think cyclically, you know, we've just kind of put names on these things now, so maybe it stands out a little bit more. But I think certainly you go back in the, the turn of the 1900s, you know, those workers were different than the people before them. And then you got more technological advances and things. And, you know, and these things were going on, you were having these different generations, um, you know, before the baby boomers. So I, I, I don't think that part is, um, you know, is uh, that unique. I think now we've just named them. And then I think the other point, and we see this all the time, is there are a lot of people that would be in this Generation X that want to, the category, that want to learn, um, that, that are learning from the millennials and are uh, tapping into the millennials for, um, you know, things, particularly a lot of things, and how do we collaborate better, how do we communicate better. And so just because, you know, you were born in a certain uh, time frame doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, that there's a wall up between you and that next generation. If we remind each other to just be generous and to be open and to see what we can learn from each other, part of it is, is that we always hear how conflicted everything is and we just assume that that's how it should be when, in fact, I think there's a lot to be said for just knowing that you're going to learn a lot more by being in more of a diverse environment than being in an environment of people that are just like you, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So when you're thinking about from an HR perspective, so, you know, you've got the HR professionals that are really trying to recruit. And I mean, that's something that you think about all day long and not just here, but globally now and then hire and then keep them motivated and figuring out what their job expectations are. So do are there some significant differences in, in how you have to approach that for some of these different generations? And, you know, how are, how are the profession, you know, the HR professionals that you're working with, how are they, how are they dealing with that? Like, what are some tactical things that they can do to help them? I think there are, certainly some differences. I think if you think about, um, you know, the, the millennials and now uh, Gen Z as well, um, in particular, you look at Gen Z, the, you know, the people that are just now beginning to enter the workforce. Um, these are folks that have been in a connected environment um, since birth. That, you know, these are the uh, the, the people entering the workforce now that when they were five years old, 10 years old, they were playing with their parents, you know, cell phones. And then they probably had cell phones when they were, you know, uh, when, when they were in middle school. I, almost everybody probably had a cell phone at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some differences between how people communicate and get information. And so I think, you know, like one of the things that, that we'll do now you know, if we're doing anything with our website or, we're, you know, posting jobs, the first thing we'll do is grab a phone and look at it and say, what does it look like on a phone? Mm -hmm. It almost doesn't matter what it looks like on a desktop now, but what does it look like on a phone? And if it doesn't look good on a phone, if it's not easy to navigate on a phone, if you place this job and somebody can't apply to it on their phone, um, then you're probably missing the boat a lot because that that is a, a, a big difference where I think a lot of, you know, uh, people in that Gen X category might still be used to looking at it another way or maybe on a desktop or at least a laptop or whatever. 
um, I think now everybody um, uh, entering the workforce just wants to do everything on their phone. So I think you've got to be uh, very conscious of that and, and make sure that everything that you're doing, you know, transfers um, well, um, you know, into that medium. So I, I certainly think that's um, that's one thing. And then I think, you know, some of the other things that we had uh, that we had talked about, like um, if there's some things that make your company stand out around um, the, their social awareness or social consciousness, you know, depending on the the position that you're looking for, I, I think those are the types of things you really need to, you know, to highlight um, in your recruiting strategy. Um, you know, it, it's not, uh, you know, just about uh, the, the bottom line or, you know, how profitable you were, um, that type of thing. It's about how cutting edge are you? Um, and then maybe you're not in an industry that, um, you know, that it has a lot of cutting edge technology. Um, but, you know, is your company cutting edge? Are there some neat mm -hmm. things you're doing that you're offering folks, you know, beyond just, uh, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of a, of a job description, say, I think those things are, are more and more important. I totally agree. And any sort of impact that they can have and anything and new projects that they can be on or kind of groups that they can participate in that are trying to try new things and, you know, just making sure that they know that they're, they're part of that. That's, I think is, is a real motivator. You're right. What about, um, now with e-training and with, um, just kind of that, how the benefits, and one of the things I've noticed is that the benefits are changing a little bit to be, you know, how do you help me become a better, employee, how do you help me learn more so that I'm more attractive in the job market? How do I, you know, that, that companies have these broader roles. It's not just you're providing for a paycheck, but you, you know, you're really kind of making me a better rounded person. I want to use this and maybe it's just a stepping stone, maybe not depending on what the opportunities are, but they're looking for, they're just seeking for, you know, seeking those sorts of challenges. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you talk a little bit about e-training and things like that, so I, I think a couple of points on that on that training piece. I think one is, again, it kind of goes back to, to what I was saying that um, about the different sort of communication styles. I do think there's some real – that is one area that I don't think is a stereotype, that there are some real differences that people are used to getting information in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and – while before the training class would be this, let's go rent, you know, the, the ballroom at a, you know, Marriott hotel and bring everybody in and have a trainer stand up in front and train them. Um, you know, that, those days, and I think most people realize this, but I think those days for a large and large measure have kind of come and gone. Um, people want to be able to do the training uh, when they, when they have time, when they can do it, they don't want to lose productivity to, to go away for two days to, to do it. They want to be able to do it at their speed. And so that's when, um, you, you know, you're seeing a lot more online training, e-training um, uh, to, to sort of facilitate um, 
you know, that, that type of learning. And, you know, people want to be able to, you know, pick from a list of courses and I need this one and, um, you know, and let me uh, tonight, uh, let me, you know, kick my feet up and run through that one. We're seeing a lot more of, uh, of people that want to digest things in that manner than these more, you know, formalized, you know, training classes. Mm -hmm. And, and then I think the other part here is that if you go back, um, and it puts a lot more pressure on HR and on training. Um, and it also, I think this puts a lot more pressure on um, how jobs are sort of structured and set up. And, and what I mean by that is that if you go back um, to generation um, X, and these are like generalized figures, but in general, somebody at, you know, at Generation X would expect, um, you could expect them, the average tenure was about seven years. Then as you get to Gen Y, we see that average tenure has dropped to four years. Now, when you get to Gen Z, my gut is that it's going to drop below four years. Mm -hmm. And I think we started seeing this um, with IT. I, I, I think sort of this boom in, in IT and technology and these IT companies, the proliferation of all of these tools, I think is what um, started driving this tenure down. Um, because for a lot of IT professionals, the most important thing that you can get in your career is getting proficient on it on the newest technology and that trumps in many cases everything else right and even you know hiring managers are looking at resumes and, and it's almost you know it almost became I don't even say almost I mean it did become a hindrance to people at times if maybe you were at the same company for six seven years and they didn't do a lot of technology upgrades um, you know you were kind of behind the times and so I think, and when you're doing a lot of this IT recruiting, the I, it was probably the first um, segment uh, of the workforce where they started looking at this and really valuing how current your skills were more than things like tenure. And you would rather have somebody that had four jobs in the last four years, but at each one of those jobs, they implemented a new technology, then you would have somebody that was somewhere for five years um, and was on a technology that was now four years old. Absolutely. And so now, now we've seen that start to bleed over, um, you know, into, into other areas as well, um, where much more of the uh, emphasis is on the, how current, um, you know, your, your skill base is. Um, you know, we have some things, um, you know, in accounting, uh, some revenue recognition, um, there have been some changes in, in the re revenue recognition standards the past couple of years, and companies had to implement, you know, ASC 605, ASC 606, you know, these, these types of regulations mm -hmm. or standards, I should say. And then, so people are, want somebody that's been through that implementation. And if somebody has done it at one company, now another company, they don't care if they've only been at that company for 18 months. They want that person to come do that and help them at their company 
not somebody that's been somewhere else 10 years but hasn't been through it yet. And so that that part of it is very common. And so what that means is that if we're seeing these 10 years start to go down, um, it puts a lot more pressure on recruiting. It puts a lot more pressure on training um, because you're constantly having to go out and find new people and get them up to speed. And so I think, you know, one thing that everybody has to be aware of, you know, the people that I currently have, how can I get them to feel like they are constantly learning and developing uh, and getting those things within my company and not feeling like they have to go somewhere else um, to get that experience? Because it's, it's hiring and training is expensive. You know, even if you do it on your own, it's, it's expensive. And, you know, new hires are not in general as productive as, you know, people that, that have been at your company for a while. And so anything that you can do um, from that training, that career development part uh, to maybe lengthen the tenure a little bit, um, I think those are going to be increasingly important things. I can see that. I do see that as being a pretty significant challenge because you may not always have those opportunities to, you know, at your company to do that. And so you are going to see a lot more movement, if you will, in the workforce and people shortening. I mean, I think we've seen, you know, certainly in technology space and developers, and we do a lot with the tech community where I think the average tenure is now in the one point something years, maybe two years at the companies like, you know, the Facebooks and the Googles and all the, the startup companies, they're really, really short now. It, it, it is. And there, there is uh, some speculation that, that, you know, Generation Z may be a little bit more motivated by security um, than some of the prior generations because you know, they grew up during, you know, the Great Recession, mm. and uh, they probably saw their parents, if maybe one or the other of them, lose a job, or the, or certainly somewhere in there, the family took some sort of a financial hit. And so those things can tend to stay with you. And so there's some thought that, that maybe the generation um the employer employees will will put a little bit more value on on security, but but I think as long as the economy remains strong, I mean, and if anything, and you know, we're seeing all of this sort of gig based economy really begin to take off, which gives companies more flexibility and gives the employees what we were just talking about the ability to, you know, constantly be learning new things and staying current. Um, I, I think that issue is just going to become more and more pronounced. That makes sense. How do you have any other kind of tips that you feel like, all right, HR professionals hang in there. It's, it's, I mean, I think that's actually a really positive sign for them that Gen Z may reverse course a little bit from Gen Y, right? Cause that was really probably the most extreme of the, folks that are willing to bounce around and they still are from what I can tell, but if Gen Z is a little bit more stable, that helps. But any other thoughts just to make these kind of these generations, whether it's collaboration or whether it's, you know, keeping them, any other things that you think of that might be super helpful? 
you know, I, I think one that you always have to be recruiting, even if you're thinking, ah, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily have an open position today. I, I think you always want to be in that mode um, of recruiting. And, um, you know, unless you're just a really, really small company, um, because you're going to have turnover and you don't want to be, you know, firing the engine up, um, you know, from a cold start, you know, every time. Um, and then I think it's really from that HR perspective, um, even looking at things like, um, you know, the feedback loops, um, I, I think we're seeing, you know, a lot of our companies go away from these um, traditional annual um, reviews, which are um, in writing, and I write one, and you write one, and you're my manager, and then we come back and in 12 months' time, we talk about the last year, and then I get whatever my raise is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I think we're starting to see uh, those falling out of favor a bit. It, it, it does not seem to be the way that um, people entering the workforce certainly want to be evaluated. They don't want to wait 12 months for the feedback, and I'm not really I'm not sure that any of us do, but we're just kind of used to that cycle. But I think you know it's whatever you can do to give more immediate feedback, um, feedback from you know more areas, from business partners, and not just from um, you know from managers. Um, that I, I think these are all things that I think um, you know can tend to. Uh, have somebody a little bit more engaged and perhaps, um, you know, extend their longevity with the company. <laughs> That's really great advice because I was never a fan of that either. And not as a manager and certainly not being managed, it was really disheartening or not. You just couldn't learn. You want to be learning all the time. You want to know all the time and just not getting that feedback. It just felt like this big kind of black hole. So I'm with you on that one. Bill, that's awesome advice. I want to thank you so very much for, for joining us today. And again, hope to have you back here really, really soon. Um, so listeners, please make sure that you go to globig.co as your one-stop international expansion marketplace where we have wonderful companies like Bill's featured and you can get all sorts of information to help you be much, much more effective in your day-to-day. -day. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts. Bill, thanks. It was great to have you and I look forward to having you again soon.